Hello, welcome to this week's Economy. I'm Dr. Vance Gann. Today is June 1st, 2023, and thank you for joining me today. If you haven't listened already to the Light People Prosper show on Tuesday, it was a great discussion with Amity Schlaes about Coolidge, the Forgotten Man, the Great Society, just a lot of good stuff that I hope you'll go and check it out. Um, this coming Tuesday, the Light People Prosper show is going to be Alex Narasta from the Cato Institute as we take a deep dive into immigration, legal immigration, what all does this mean? What are the costs? What are the benefits? And, and ultimately, how we need some key reforms so that whether way there is an incentive for a fewer number of illegals to be here at the same time, having more open immigration at the end of the day. So these are important topics that we need to continue to discuss. And I hope you'll listen in and provide comments along the way. Remember, you can find me at my substack, advancedgain.substack.com, my website, advancedgain.com, and Twitter, advancedgain, and all the other places. Um, and these podcasts, you can also find it all your major platforms. So please do that and subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Be much appreciated. So there's been a lot of news here recently. And the biggest news here was that the House, the United States House Representatives passed their deal. The Fiscal Responsibility Act is what they're calling it for the debt ceiling deal that's raising um, the debt ceiling. Actually, it's, it's pretty much suspending the debt ceiling until January of 2025, saying that they can increase it by how much ever they want. Um, there's also some limitations on discretionary, non-defense discretionary spending of about a 1% cut. I think it's about $30 billion in cuts from from the current fiscal year. There's some in the out years, if you look over a decade, I think there's a couple hundred billion dollars. I've seen as high as $1.2 trillion in savings. There's some work requirements that were added, although they're pretty weak at the end of the day for some SNAP is very small changes that were there, but I think that's headed at least in the right directions. There were some good permit reforms for oil and gas exploration. So that's, that's a positive sign. But, and there was a little bit of cut in the IRS budget. There really wasn't much done to all these you know, energy, green energy tax credits and everything else that was in the Inflation Reduction Act that would just distort its market and cost us more on the taxpayer at the end of the day as well. But I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the catastrophe that was going to happen with the default on the debt. And I'm not so sure when that would have happened. I mean, there, there was certainly some concern that we may not have been able to pay for the interest payments on our, on our debt, which would have been a default, right? Technical default. But if you think about it, We've kind of had a default for a while. How do they pay for a lot of our debt? They increase the debt, and then the Fed goes in and buys the debt, increases the, the money supply, the monetary base, and that increase inflation. And so we've had a lot of that happening for a number of years, and we've been seeing the results of what that higher inflation can do in soaring interest rates recently as well. And so we've seen a lot of the repercussions that can happen. And if you look at the debt, it's not just the national debt of over $31.4 trillion, um, which they're trying to increase, you know, and some are saying it could happen, but another three or four trillion just in the next year and a half. But if you also look at what's going on with our unfunded liabilities for Social Security and Medicare, which are the two major parts of the budget that are growing the budget um, moving forward. And so that's really something we've got to get control over. You know, you've got over over $100, billion, $100 trillion more in, in debt and unfunded liabilities, meaning that more that we owe compared to the revenue that's expected to come in. And some have that, if you look at different discount rates, uh, more market-based discount rate of over $200 trillion. So this is a massive amount of money that's out there. And it's and so I think it's not necessarily the catastrophe that would have happened if we would have defaulted on the debt, as I'm not so sure that that would have happened. And it wouldn't have been today, June 1st. And I don't think it'll be on June 5th, as Yellen's talked about. But at some point, 
there would have been some cuts. But, you know, I don't think that would have been a catastrophe. The catastrophe really is the excessive government spending that's been going on on all this green energy nonsense on the ESG stuff. When you look at the banking sort of regulations that are put in place, you need to let the free market work. And that would allow for us to have more limited government, lower taxes, and more human flourishing at the end of the day, more prosperity. And so whenever I'm looking at this debt deal, you know, I think it was likely that they were going to come to some agreement like this. And if you look at the number of votes, there was actually more Democrats that voted for this than Republicans. And so I know like my friend, Representative Chip Roy, who was pushing back and I was right there with him. I think that we, we should have pushed back more to have even better outcome because all we're doing is mortgaging the future of America and our, the future of America is at stake right now. And that's why I've been so adamant about controlling government spending, really reining in government spending. And there are some of my friends out there that are talking about, you know, that we, we needed to get a deal done. This is probably the pragmatic approach. And there's some truth to that, no doubt. But at the, but at, we also got to think about the future and making sure that there are some key reforms. Um, some other friends are saying we don't need to touch Social Security and Medicare. I don't think that's, um, I, I don't think that that is a responsible path forward because you've got to do something with those given how much of the budget that it is and given the longer term fiscal issues and debt that's going to come up because of those two programs. Um, just the baby boomers retire more people getting benefits compared to the number of people who are paying into the system, a generational accounting issue that really has got to come under control. And so I'm hopeful that something can be done there. So look, the markets really didn't move around too much today either, which also indicates that either this was already priced in or um, they don't really like it a lot, right? Um, the, the Dow Jones, this is on Thursday at about one, almost one o'clock, 1 p.m. Central time. The Dow Jones is up about a half percent. S&P 500 is up, is up 1%. Um, crude oil is up $2.59, so almost 4% at $71 per barrel. Gold is at $19.95, so it's up about a half percent. Um, and so what you see is the dollar is also depreciating. <laughs> so, so other people don't necessarily like this deal, it doesn't seem like, uh, against the yen and against the euro. So I don't think that you're seeing much in the markets because this is kind of a nothing burger. We're going to continue to have the same sort of situation moving forward. And, and so I think there's going to have to be more to be done. I'm hopeful that whoever wins the next presidency and then this general election camp or primary election for the Republicans and then the general election for both, we've got to have talk about this debt, the excessive government spending that's going on. It's got to be rolled back for the sake of America to let people prosper, right? So that's number one. Number two, a lot of stuff's going down in Texas. Y'all might've heard a lot about this. Um, Ken, Attorney General Ken Paxton, you know, um, coming in and he got impeached by the House. And so now that will go over to the Senate. They'll have more proceedings there to figure out if that happens. I don't want to get all the details of that, but that's been in the news. We've also seen that there is more discussion about property tax relief here. Um, and property taxes are the major burden on Texans across the state. You know, we have we don't have personal income tax in Texas. Um, there's a franchise tax, which is a, a gross receipt style tax, which needs to go. But there's but not as many people pay. it. I think it's like 166,000 businesses out of the millions that are in Texas. And so there's not as much of a push to do something with it. Property taxes are really the the, the one that that most people have concerns about. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, I should be just to be straight with you. Like, I don't think that Texas or any state should have a property tax. I think it is a bad form of tax. It's a tax on capital, which capital accumulation brings about more growth and opportunity and prosperity. And also, it's since it's a wealth tax, it's just based on the amount of, um, you know, cash flow or, or not even cash flow, but it's based on paper 
how much your valuation is, no matter if your income goes up or not. So it's not based on your ability to pay. It's just based on how things look around you and what an appraiser says that your valuation is going to be. Um, and so therefore, you never have the right to own your property. You're always renting from the government. And instead, I say, let's stop renting and start owning. And the way that you do that, there's a couple of ways. You can have a major tax reform where you broaden, in like Texas example, um, you broaden the sales tax base. You don't even have to raise the rate, and you could eliminate the school district maintenance and operation portion, which is about 42% of total property taxes collected in Texas. Um, and that's one way to do it overnight. Um, and then when you broaden the base, you also get more funding for uh, the sales tax. You give more funding to cities, counties, and special purpose districts because they're all connected as far as the base goes. But you allow them, those local entities, to eliminate their property taxes by limiting government spending, which is the number one thing, and using surplus dollars to buy down the rest of their property taxes. Um, if you didn't want to broaden the sales tax base, which I think is the most efficient way of doing it, but there's not a lot of political will to do so. And you should also limit government spending at the state when you broaden the sales tax base, so that way when you have surpluses, use that surplus to buy the sales tax rate back down. It's all about limiting spending and making sure that you have the best tax system possible. But if that if that's not possible, right, of, of the broadening sales tax base, then use 90% of the surplus. Limit government spending to population growth plus inflation or some, some, some amount of that to where you're limiting spending and using 90% of the surplus to buy down the school MNO property taxes. And I've done that before, you know, doing modeling on that. And if you lose, use historical averages, we could eliminate you know, the half the property tax in Texas doing this approach within eight to 10 years. And that is what is being discussed now in the special session of the Texas legislature, um, where the Texas, where the governor called it and said, look, it's gonna be about property taxes and border security, property taxes being the first one that they've tackled in the house. They have a bill that's about $12.4 billion to compress the school and property tax by 16.2%. So look, I mean, that's using about a third of the surplus they have. So it's not nearly enough. They need to get above $20 billion for this to be the largest tax relief in history in Texas. But this would be the second largest tax relief in history, and it would provide benefits and, and relief for homeowners, renters, those with other property, and employers. And so it would be broad-based in that sense, and it would be a great step in the right direction. And that's part of the process for eliminating the MNO property tax, compressing over time. And what you see is that even Governor Abbott said, uh, and this was on at 8.52 p.m. May 31st, he tweeted, that's my plan. As James Quintero from the TPP, from TBPF said, the ideal from Tax Public Policy Foundation said the ideal property tax rate is zero dollars per hundred dollars of value, basically zero, right? And so Greg Abbott's Governor Abbott said, that's my plan. Use the TPPF roadmap to end property taxes. And look, I was at TBPF for about a decade. This is something I've worked on a lot while I was there and modeled it and everything else. And so it's good to see that that. He's wanting to use that plan as the step forward, as I've been pushing and other groups have been pushing all session to use more of that. And it looks like it may actually happen. There's House Bill 1. That's the one that would do what I was saying earlier, about 16.2%. And then they also have HGR 1, which is a constitutional amendment that would exclude property tax relief or tax relief in general from the spending limit. So that way they could have more to spend there or, or use for tax relief. Um, so I think that's a good approach. You also have the Senate, though, that are coming out and saying they still want to do homestead exemption increase from 40000 to 
100,000. They want to provide 10 cent compression, and that's about $12.1 billion. And so now there's still fighting going on. The House already passed theirs. They left town. And, and then the Senate's supposed to come back in on Friday and figure out what they want to do. The governor's basically said, look, TPPS plan is the way I want to go. I only want to do compression. I don't want to do the homestead that narrows the base and shifts the burden around. Let's go with compression. And I hope that at the end of the day, Lieutenant Governor Patrick and other senators um, will go down this approach, down this path, because this is the best path to eliminating property taxes. And if they don't want to do that, then that means that they don't want to eliminate property taxes. They don't want to give people the right to own their property. And that's even in the GOP platform to eliminate property taxes in Texas. So this is the path to go. And and and, and look, I believe strongly in a, a bar stool where you have one strong leg, right, that's keeping up the bar stool um, for the approach for taxes. And that's through a sales tax. It's, it's, it's based on the market fundamentals of people buying and, and um, transacting throughout the economy. It's, it's So that way it's based on the ability to, to pay versus property taxes, which is not, which continues to go up primarily most of the time, right? Um, whether your income goes up or not, the, your labor income, your income taxes, that's directly taxed to your, your income. So that's bad tax. Sales tax is the way we need to go. And it's and it's volatile a little bit more, but not a lot more. And it, But it bounces back really quickly too when the economy comes back. And if we had any unforeseen revenue shortfall, to make sure that these compressions are permanent, that's when you go to the rainy day fund. Well, in Texas, they have a $27 billion rainy day fund amount expected. So there's plenty of money to cover any sort of unforeseen revenue shortfalls. So all these you know, these claims that it can't be done is really just the lack of political will. Let's make sure it gets done to make sure that you sp restrain spending, provide tax relief, and you get path to elimination. And that also should include, you know, freezing some of these Squamino property taxes from having to go up, or at least limiting them, and then providing local spending limits as well. So that way they can also reduce and eliminate their property taxes. And man, talk about an economic juggernaut in Texas. That certainly would be the case. And, and you know, and, and, and finally, I know there's a lot of discussion about all this right now, but I think this all goes into why it's so important for sound tax and fiscal policy, because whether it's at the federal level and how much it is, is uh, mortgaging our future and our kids' future, and our grandkids' future, or whether it's in Texas or in another state, this stuff matters. It matters about responsible budgeting. It matters about tax reform and keeping taxes low. It matters about re regulations as well. All these things really influence our daily lives, and I hope that you're getting a better understanding of that as we're talking about that each week. So please go back, listen to Let People Prosper show as well, the ones that are coming in the future. Please sign up for my newsletter at bandscan.substack.com and share this with your friends and family. And until next time, you know I hope that you enjoyed this uh, this week's economy. And, and until next time, let people prosper. <laughs>